Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Today's Indo-Daily is brought to you from our sister podcast, The Bell Tell. He was chatting to Dermot Nesbitt when I heard the shots and went to the door of the faculty law and came out. The person I saw coming towards me was Dermot, who was saying that Edgar has just been shot and Dermot had Edgar's blood on him. On the 7th of December 1983, Edgar Graham, a law lecturer and unionist politician, was shot dead in broad daylight at Queen's University, Belfast. He was gunned down as he walked to work just a few yards from the law faculty. Two IRA gunmen posing as students had been waiting behind a low wall. They ran up behind Mr. Graham and fired six shots at his head. He died immediately. At 29, Edgar Graham was one of the most outstanding politicians the Ulster Unionist Party had ever produced. He was overwhelmingly likely to be a future party leader. Edgar Graham was the kind of young man who is needed in Northern Ireland politics. His intellectual gifts would have enabled him to make a good career in any number of fields. He chose to devote them to the process of democracy. Massive effect on David. And the only reason why David became the leader of unionism and he would say to himself, won the Nobel Peace Prize, etc., was Edgar's death. And he a number of times said that. The IRA immediately admitted responsibility for his murder, but what actually happened that day? And we waved at each other and he crossed to me. All of a sudden, I heard a shot and he fell. I got covered in his blood, and this person stood up on that wall with one foot on it, pumping the gun fire into him. Dermot Nesbitt was a close friend of Edgar, a fellow Ulster Unionist and an academic colleague. He was right there standing talking to Edgar when the gunmen approached. I turned around and looked and saw him lying here, and I just couldn't take it anymore. Because there I'm talking to him, we were friends, And you knew he was dead. You knew he was dead. In this special episode of The Bell Tell, we examine why Edgar Graham was singled out for murder 40 years ago. There was a fear in some elements of republicanism that a form of new unionist voices who were more moderate was maybe a greater threat to them in one sense. Was he set up by another Queen's lecturer? What happened to him after you were arrested? He left Queen's in a hurry. And how would he have changed Northern Ireland if he had gone on to lead unionism? I think whatever he would have done, it would have been to bring a peaceful, democratic, fair uh, approach to Northern Ireland politics. Dermot, the 7th of December 1983 was just a few days before I was born. Northern Ireland was a very different place back then. 
Edgar Graham had just graduated from Queen's seven years earlier. He'd gone off to Oxford and by 1983 he was a prominent unionist politician. He was regularly seen on TV. You worked with him. You knew him as a party colleague. What was he like? Very pleasant. Very easy to get on with. Um, We met because I was in a standing committee with him of the Ulster Unionist Party. Uh, We... He conversed politically. He was what at the time was known as a devolutionist. I was an integrationalist. And what what sort of debates would you have had with Edgar? What what was the 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 nature of those? Were they heated? Were they intellectual? Was there banter involved? How how did you relate to him? More more the last mentioned banter. There was never um, there was never a heated debate. Uh, I was about four or five years older than him, and we got on well together very well together. We recognised that we had each different positions, but we understood the logic upon which we based each of our decisions. Let me take you back to the early 1980s. What was Queen's University like? Queen's University was an interesting place then. I I remember one incident, I was an elected councillor from 1981, and I can't remember the precise time, but I know there was a photograph of me in the local down recorder been an elected councillor and I came into a lecture one day and that photograph was pinned on the notice board to the left of the blackboard and someone was saying we know who you are and the pin was interesting it was right between my two eyes so there was a certain amount of you know tension to a certain extent Um, I was conscious that I was an elected unionist representative and that Edgar was the only other elected unionist representative, and we conversed quite often when we met. Three other people who knew Edgar well were Wallace Thompson, Alex Keane, and Lord Alderdice. Wallace, what are your memories of Edgar Graham? Um, I got to know him very well. We, we came to Queen's at the same time. He, he studied law uh, with a... With a clear degree of capability that set him apart from all the rest of us around him in whatever subject we were doing. I shared a flat with him for a number of months in Wellesley Avenue. He was part of a group of our friends, I mean there was Jim Allister, Sammy Wilson, uh, a whole pile of Ronnie Lurd from up around Strabane, all unionist DUP all kind of come together in the university. Didn't agree with me and I didn't agree with him because he was he was also unionist, I was DUP. He had uh, a lot of scepticism about Ian Paisley and the DUP and we, we exchanged um, comments to each other. But uh, always got on extremely well. Uh, but he had brains to burn. I mean, he was so bright and was earmarked to have a you know, high academic career. I liked him. It's the, the, another thing, I liked him because uh, he wasn't your typical unionist at that time. He wasn't a, a shouty, loud unionist. He was one of a, what I like to think was a, a new breed with maybe emerging. He was a thoughtful, he was intellectual. He was someone who didn't just knee jerk. He thought through everything. He was softly spoken. And more important than anything else, he was willing to listen. He did listen to arguments which he found extraordinarily difficult. And at times he found me difficult because I was both an atheist and not a monarchist. But he never criticised. He said, Alex, it doesn't matter. I mean, that those are your personal beliefs as long as you remain committed to the, the union. <laughs> you shouldn't be under any criticism from anybody within unionism for beliefs like that. Lord Alderdice, when did you first encounter Edgar? Well, we first met at school in, in Ballymena Academy. 
And uh, we, we ran the debating society in Bellamina Academy together. He was the secretary and I was the chairman. And we organized the debates and, and, and so on. Both of us interested, obviously, in politics and both of us interested uh, in those days in debating. But he was a serious person, a thoughtful person, the kind of person you would have felt a degree of confidence in because you knew he was, uh, he was not a flipperty gibbet. He was a solid, sensible citizen and thoughtful. He uh, w- was a unionist. Uh, and, and wanted to take that line. I went into uh, into alliance party politics uh, after I qualified in, in medicine. Uh, I guess in some senses there, there must have been some degree of similarity uh, between the agendas we, we went with, which was concerned about our society, uh, very unhappy about what was happening and feeling, you know, we, we ought to be able to do something about this. We, there's no point in just talking about it and complaining about it. You should get involved and you should do something. And, and, and he did that. Well, let's listen to Edgar in his own words here. We hear stories of individuals who take a shotgun out in the back of their tractor to give themselves protection and even have to ply their field with their wife standing guard over the field, she holding the shotgun. And that's a terrible situation in which people are expected to live without adequate protection from the security forces. Dermot Nesbitt, we're standing here today at the spot where you were on that day 40 years ago. Edgar Graham was standing where I am now. Take me back to what happened that day. It's the first time you've been back here in 40 years. Yes, it's the first time. Indeed, when you ask me, it makes me very emotive. And I'm serious. You know, but what happened was I was in an office down there and I walked would normally walk up through that gate down there and then here. But as I walked up, Edgar was coming down there. And we waved at each other and he crossed to me. Do you, do you remember what he said to you that day? Uh, well, I remember the first, the first chat was, I said to him, you've crossed over to my side today. So I was an integrationist, he was a devolutionist. And it's those sort of things that, that come to me as, as I stand here. But that was the first call where he, he said, I said, you've come to me. And then we had a few little tittle-tattles and then it was very brief because then he said he was going over to see um, the Northern Ireland Affairs Committee. And I remember vividly the words when he said that, I said, yes, John Biggs Davison is chairman of that committee and he is an integrationist. To which he said, and these were his very last words, Michael Mitz is the vice chairman of the committee and he is a devolutionist. And those were his last words. I will never forget. They are seared in my mind as I stand here. Those were his last words. What was the first point where you realised he was being attacked? Well, I was standing looking like this as we talked because you, you didn't eyeball all the time. You looked around and uh, all of a sudden I heard a shot and he fell. I got covered in his blood and I naturally went back like that. And this person stood up on that wall with one foot on it, pumping the gun fire into him. And I just, it, it was one of these things that was so amazing. It, you know, I can remember it like yesterday. And then I, I moved out to the road. And as I did that, this fellow 
put his gun in what was a lever arch file with another colleague and ran off that way through where was the music and the library and probably once they got round the corner they would have started to walk like students because they looked like students, they were dressed like students, they fitted in with the environment. But it just happened so quick, so quick. The, as I say, he said, Michael Mates, bang, down, up, firing more ammunition into him. And then I, all of a sudden, standing here, having been out there, I, I looked around and there were people looking out those windows. I can remember it, like Laurie, the artist, yeah. the matchstick men, because it was winter time, the lights were on, and they were all silhouetted against the lights. And I ran over there, and out of the door, whichever one was the law faculty, I'm not sure, David Trimble came out as I was going in, and I said, it's Edgar. And his very words were, but he wasn't to be here today. Those words you remember, you remember them vividly. And then I just got offside. I turned around and looked and saw him lying here. And I just couldn't take it anymore. Because there I'm talking to him. He's my vintage. We were close. We were friends. And you knew he was dead. You knew he was dead. He was chatting to Dermot Nisbet, who was from the accountancy uh, department at Queen's, when I heard the shots and went to the door of the faculty law came out. The person I saw coming towards me was Dermot, who was saying that Edgar has just been shot and Dermot had Edgar's blood on him. And a, sh a short time later, the police, when they arrived, asked me to identify, for I formally identify the body. Edgar's sister, Anne Graham, did not want to be interviewed for this podcast, but she has said that it was another lecturer who identified her brother's body. It may be that both identified the body for different purposes. Dermot, Edgar's been killed at your feet. You've rushed across the street. You've seen David Trimble. What did you do next? I then immediately made sure I phoned my wife because breaking news could have been Ulster Unionist academic shot dead and she knew there was only two of us so it was a 50-50 chance who it might have been so my immediate thing was to leave Edgar there go in and phone my wife and say Edgar's been shot it's not me I was with him and, and those things live with you and then I remember after that they, they removed the body and they wished would I go down and identify the body and I said oh, I prefer just to step right back and uh, then I went home and there was someone told me there are press waiting outside your home so I went on past my home to my parents home I didn't wish to get involved at all I lay very low about it it was over in a few minutes, and uh, it's a vivid memory that always lives with me. Edgar Graham was a law lecturer at Queen's University. He was gunned down as he walked to work just a few yards from the law faculty. Two IRA gunmen posing as students had been waiting behind a low wall. 
They ran up behind Mr. Graham and fired six shots at his head. He died immediately. Wallace, Alex, where were you when you heard Edgar had been shot? I had I was in the civil service and I come home for some reason to get papers and my sister rang to say, Did you hear about Edgar? And I said no and that was the news and I mean I was totally and utterly flabbergasted because I I knew where it was, uh, we'd walked around there many times and then when the news came on the TV of the, of the, uh, you saw his body lying with a black sheet over it and the famous briefcase that he carried everywhere, it was awful, absolutely awful. I mean, if all of us who were his friends were, were just stunned. Well, do you know, the, 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 as I was the extraordinary, I'd left Queen's at the time, but the extraordinary thing about it was, it was why. Because you remember, I remember thinking, you know, why? You know, I could, you know, this is a very bizarre thing to say, but, you know, there are some people you could understand why they would become a target for, for the for the IRA. You just knew that the, how they spoke or what they said, whatever, you know, never, no justification for anything, but you could sometimes understand why they would find themselves in that sort of position. I could never understand that with Edgar, because I thought this was someone who was honest, who wasn't, you know, saying one thing privately and something else publicly, who made it very clear that when it came to the Supergrass trials for both sides, when it came to some big issues, again, affecting both sides, he didn't, he didn't, you know, draw a line and say, well, this is my side, that's your side. He was brave, and it did take a certain bravery as, a, as, a, as someone from a unionist background to actually say, well, do you know, <laughs> These people who claim to represent us in, in, in loyalist paramilitarism, they are just as bad. So it, 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 in that sense, it just shocked me. The shockwaves caused by the murder of Edgar Graham at the university just one week ago have already outwardly subsided and academic life carries on. The only noticeable change in security, students now have to show their ID cards at all times to get into the union building. Sylvia Herman was a law student at the time, and she later said she was in Queen's Students' Union when the news emerged. She said there was a cheer went up from some of the students when they heard that Edgar Graham had been shot, and she said she never set foot in the union again. Another student was quoted by the Belfast Telegraph that evening as saying, I actually saw people smiling when they heard Edgar Graham had been shot. There are a number of IRA sympathisers in the Students' Union. Dermot, how reflective do you think that sort of reaction was across the student body? Well, I've, I know Sylvia told me that, and I've never really gone into the students' union. And as I say, I'm not overtly conscious of students being negative towards me. Covertly is a different matter. I go back to this one particular incident I go, and I can think of other times as well when things might have happened, but I, I, I wasn't conscious that they were sort of targeting me. Although after that event, I became very, very suspicious of any sort of movement of any person behind me or in front of me. One student who has vivid memories of what happened that day was Peter O'Neill. Peter you were the president of the Queen's Students' Union in 1983. What was Queen's like at that point? Yeah, in 1983, um, Queen's University, Belfast, was quite a small institution. So it was more like a village. Um, students tended to congregate around the Students' Union. Um, Belfast at that time was almost a no-go area in the city centre. The security gates closed at nine. So the Students' Union was really the hub off the campus and as student union officers I was president um, from 1983 to, to 84 um, 
you felt a real responsibility in terms of managing that student space and trying to present the student's union as a safe, accessible, non-partisan, if you like, place where, where students can socialize, but also, very importantly, talk about, you know, the, the big issues that were affecting us at that time. Did you ever meet Edgar Graham or come across his path? I did. I wouldn't have known him very well, but like Edgar would have been in and out of the students' union you know, quite a lot. He he regularly took part in debates organised by you know, the Ulster Unionist Party and, and other you know political um, actors on campus. Um, so yes, he, he was a presence on campus. Can you recall how you heard of his murder? I can. And unfortunately, it's, it's one of those incidents. It's very clear still in my memory. Um, yeah, mid-morning, I think. Um, I was working on a, on, a, on a speech in my office on the second floor of the Students' Union. And suddenly um, the door barged open and a student ran in, really upset, bumbling about, um, shooting, uh, clearly in shock. So we, f- we finally, myself and some of the staff, calmed him down. And he then, I was the first I heard that had been a shooting on campus. He didn't know who had been killed or you know what who is the victim so we very quickly find out you know Edgar had been the victim the police were investigating and um, we immediately went into that mode where we issued a condemnation of the attack once we had the full facts in front of us urged students to assist the, the police you know with inquiries and we set about trying to really reassure students that um, you know that, that, that this instance was was being was being managed to a degree, and that uh, we wanted to reach out to Edgar's family and to faculty and to offer any assistance that we could. Now I know people have said that somehow an, a broadcast was made in the student union, and that some Republican students cheered. Um, the, the announcement of uh, Edgar's murder. I have no recollection of that at all. And indeed, I find it a little bit strange because that sort of incident would not have been broadcast on our old-fashioned tannoy system. We had an emergency general meeting, um, absolutely packed out, one of the most vivid memories. I still have is um, an absolutely packed McMorty Hall, students queuing to get in. And I had to deliver um, the speech, basically outlining our condemnation, asking for students calm. <clears throat> and <clears throat> there was this sense that um, that students could be targeted, you know, particularly nationalist students, you know, law students, that you know, they could have been blamed in some way. So there certainly was a fear um, on campus um, as a student union representative. Um, so it was quite ironic that the Students' Union, unfortunately, our switchboard received death threats, that we were warned about our, our safety. Indeed, I spent the next couple of months having to change my movements to, to move out of my flat. Um, so unfortunately, students you know, were blamed you know, to some degree you know, for the murder of Edgar. Um, and uh, as far as I understand, you know, Nobody has been brought to book, you know, for that murder. Um, but certainly all I can say from the vantage point of time is that I'm not sure there's much more we could have done to be clear and forthright in our condemnation of, of that senseless murder. Well, 
The police believe it was a well-planned assassination. Well, obviously, they, it would appear as if they knew who they were looking for, and certainly it would appear as if they intended to shoot a particular person. Two years earlier, the South Belfast MP Robert Bradford had been murdered by the IRA. So in one sense, this wasn't new. It wasn't unheard of that a politician could be killed in the Troubles, but it still was very unusual. Why do you think Edgar Graham was murdered? Years later, as I was thinking about it, I just wondered if the form of unionism that Edgar represented, the the, the approach he took that we needed to understand. Uh, I remember having a conversation with him once about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, and he, we, we talked about Atticus Finch and the, the, you know, the, the line from Finch that to understand your, your enemy, to understand your, your neighbour, you need not only to wear his shoes, you need to stand in his backyard and see your house from his perspective. And I remember Edgar saying, you know, because we both agreed that this is one of unionism's failings that we didn't always understand why we seem to be so unpopular. We can never tell in a situation like that. But I, I just wonder, I just wonder if there was a fear in some elements of republicanism that a, a form of new unionist voices who were more moderate, who were more considered, who were more articulate, was maybe a greater threat to them in one sense than what they, the usual old type of unionist, it was a shouty unionist and a complaining unionist and a whingy unionist, because Edgar was none of those things. He was a moderate voice. He wasn't a, a, a loud, raucous kind of uh, uh, crowd puller in that sense. He, he argued things thoughtfully and carefully and rationally and, 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 and in a moderate way. Um, and, uh, and in a sense, that may well have been what made him such a threat to those who were opposed to to his political views. It, it was much easier to dismiss somebody who just shouts and is rowdy and, and, and all of those kinds of things, but somebody who's solid, serious, thoughtful, and this is what Edgar was. Mr. Adam Butler. With permission, Mr. Speaker, I should like to make a statement on the murder earlier today of Mr. Edgar Graham. I do so on behalf of my right honourable friend, who is in Northern Ireland. Mr Edgar Graham, a member of the Northern Ireland Assembly, was murdered at 10 to 11 this morning outside Queen's University Belfast where he lectured. He was approached whilst talking to a colleague on the pavement by two youths on foot who fired a number of shots and then fled. Edgar Graham was the kind of young man who is needed in Northern Ireland politics His intellectual gifts would have enabled him to make a good career in any number of fields. He chose to devote them to the process of democracy. David Trimble's biographer, Dean Godson, has described Edgar Graham as a relatively rare commodity, an intellectually talented unionist politician, but also somebody who was a gifted advocate in favour of the supergrass trials, which Republicans and loyalists really wanted to get rid of at that point. There are people who say that Edgar Graham was murdered because he was too talented as a unionist politician, that Republicans thought they would get rid of somebody who was a political threat to their ideology. And there are other people who think that this was more to do with the there and then, that they were worried about their organisations being compromised. Have you any thoughts on that? Well, he was certainly talented. He wrote, and it could have been that. It's interesting that you say Dean Godson said he was one of those rare unionists who who did things like what you've just said. In a sense, I was like him to a certain extent, but I was dealing more with 
political progression of unionism and not so much the aspect that Edgar was dealing with, which was the court, judicial proceedings and what have you, which would have more impact on what uh, paramilitaries may think. You and Edgar Graham were both unionist politicians. You were both Queen's University academics and you were standing beside each other that day. He was shot, you weren't shot. Do you think that there there was any chance that the gunmen didn't know who you were because you didn't have such a high profile and that if they had known that you would not be alive? Yes, as I mentioned earlier, I have that feeling. They didn't know me because I was only a councillor and he was an MLA. If I had carried through with the letter that I had written that Edgar and I wrote together and submitted, which shows how we were working together, I might have been an MLA. I would have been an MLA because I would have been selected and I would have been elected because I just know that without being arrogant. Um, And therefore we would both have been MLAs and it might have been entirely different. Uh, In fact, as I said, the police said to me, you may be quite fortunate if they had known you were an elected unionist academic, they might have taken you out just for the two for the price of one. Though they weren't aiming for me. And also... um, You've heard of the CPU, Close Protection Unit. They gave me a personal protection weapon. And I remember when I went for a practice, the person saying to me, these words you remember, he says, you must, you must be very risky at the moment because I've never seen it being as speedily exercised that you get your PPW. And I had it in my briefcase sitting on a flat briefcase so as it was pointing, I could take it in the lecture. And I had... At the time, uh, a detective sitting in my lecture theatre following me to give me comfort for a period of time at a close protection unit. Although, yet again, another thing I remember one of the policemen saying, if they're out to get you, they'll get you. So all of this, having my PPW in him, was like a psychological comfort blanket to the best that could be offered. Those were things that I had to give me that psychological comfort because I had to go back to lecturing in January and it was known where I was and at what time I would be there. And students, as I said earlier, people come in, you wouldn't know who they were. It wasn't easy, but it had to be done because you couldn't not do it. You couldn't let them win. And was there ever a moment in Queen's where you felt real fear that this could happen to you? Well, I remember a few years later, I was walking at Queen's and I saw these people walking and I turned left, they turned left and then I turned right and they turned right and I went to my car, watched them and they then got into a car I took the number and reported it to the police. The police come back to me and said, oh, it was one person who recognised you and it was a friend and he was just pointing out who you were. They were from West Belfast. I thought that was an interesting answer. I didn't pursue it any further. Coming up in the next episode... Was Edgar Graham set up for murder by an academic colleague? What happened to him after you were arrested? He left Queen's in a hurry. Did he know 
that there was an imminent threat on his life. Yet I do remember thinking he was in danger, you know, before it, because there were a number of comments made in different magazines, and sort of a loyalist paramilitary magazine, who sort of said he needs to be very careful. Um, so there was a bit of a build-up to it. And what would the future of Northern Ireland have been had he not died that day? It's horrible to say, in a way, the IRA got it right. I don't have any doubt that Ed, Edgar would have been the leader of unionism had he survived. This episode of The Bell Tell was produced by myself, Sam McBride, and Graham Davidson. Clips were from UTV, the BBC, and RTE. Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erechor, Agus Suligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfane. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.